Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. I don't even know how to classify what's going on today because there's some news. This is true, but there's also some concerns. There are some things that I'm sure you're already aware of and you're curious to hear information or opinion about what I believe is going on. And I will speak about it. I will speak about a couple other things in the news that's happening some of which is expected and has been predicted and many people have anticipated was going to be a thing. We just didn't know how wide and how broad it was going to be. But we're here, and so let's get right into this. Let's jump right into the bear in the room, which, of course, is Bitcoin. It's at a currently a six-month low. It is trending downward slightly. It's at a bottom resistance, I believe, of roughly 38K, and people are a little bit concerned it may go even further because there's an anticipation of potential consolidation. And of course, consolidation is a good thing because it tells us what really is the base of this thing, where, how far down can it really go so that we understand what its trajectory is for going back up. In other words, once we hit whatever that consolidation point truly is, and once things stop fluctuating as they're doing, we should be able to identify, okay, now where do we go from here? So put it in perspective, there was a time when Bitcoin was trading at roughly about $5,000 and from the $5,000, it was just jumping, jumping like crazy. And nobody knew where, how high it was going to go. And of course it had its dips occasionally, but it continued to grow till it got to around 65 K I believe. And people were still wondering how high this is going to go, but they also had rumorings that there was a bubble coming and the bubble wasn't necessarily that it was phony money or that it was not real or that it was not legitimate just rather that there's going to be something something has to happen here something has to give we can't have this much growth i've talked about it before when you have significant sustained growth everything that goes up must come down it's got to happen at some point and that's what we now are seeing but we don't know how far down it can go because we didn't know how far up it can go does that make sense like if you don't know when it's going to stop growing you never know when it's going to stop falling, when it eventually does start to fall. And that's how we can determine once we understand what that bottom is, when it starts to bottom out, because it will bottom out. We just don't know where the bottom is. There were a couple of factors that are believed to have contributed to what we are seeing with this. First of all, of course, I mentioned the issue in Kazakhstan with the mining machines, Russia talking about banning crypto, the bank out in China recently announced that they want to have a complete ban on all digital currency. So now you got China in the mix, you got Russia in the mix, and then other sub areas. And then of course, Britain's talking about regulation. The United States has been talking about regulation, proof of work, energy, do, do, do. And so all of this is creating a negative sentiment. So even if you're not in countries that are affected directly by these bans, you are indirectly affected by way of loss of sentiment because there's a general nervousness about okay, we, we were on the path to adoption of this stuff, and now all of a sudden we're seeing crackdowns because of the energy consumption and other things. I have a different stance on this. While I do think it's a bit concerning to see this kind of a ramp up in, I don't want to say enforcement because it's not enforcement yet, but in scrutiny at this point, it is a slight bit concerning. It also means potentially an opportunity, but it really is going to depend on Certain forward-thinking governments, of course, we don't have a forward-thinking government in the office today, but hopefully one day we'll have a government in the office that's forward-thinking that can embrace what's happening as an opportunity for certain countries, again, that are at the forefront of it to be front-runners. 
if you if you heard about the chatter about you know the space race, right? Who's going to be first to go to space? Because there was a thought that that's going to be kind of shake up of the economy. It's going to spur new opportunities for travel and all this type of stuff. And then of course, none of that really went anywhere. We still are kind of struggling with it. And then you had freaking SpaceX is the one that is starting to send people into space as a tourist type deal. So I do think that there's this competitive spirit that's out there amongst countries who want to be first starters on things. I think a lot of that's playing into this, that we want to be first to have some kind of policy around this. I think that's playing a little bit of it. I think some of it also is just general skepticism of cryptocurrency. I think a lot of the scams are making people sketchy. I do think the exchange breaches are making people nervous. I think there's a lot of things playing into factor. On the Ethereum side, it dropped below $3,000, which was, that's a huge thing. I think the Ethereum one's drop is more significant in the broader spectrum of crypto than the Bitcoin one, and I'll tell you why. Bitcoin was kind of expected to fall, and it was expected to fall a pretty good deal just because of how high it climbed. We didn't know, okay, this climbed this high. We don't know how it can sustain this, and once it goes down, how much, how much does it have to crash, essentially? With Ethereum, though, Ethereum has had a strong trajectory upward for so long and, again, has had peaks and valleys, but generally speaking, has been pretty consistently stable in its price performance because of the utility of it. It's demanded and used in so many different things, and increasingly so. Ethereum is the mystery. A lot of that was cash out. A lot of people were cashing out of the core Ethereum token, to the stable coins. You can see this on the grass when many of the stable coins, their price movement looks like it wants to go up and they can't because they're being stabilized. But there was a massive sellout of Ethereum to the tune of roughly $70 million worth recently. And there continues to be sellout of the various tokens, but Ethereum seems to be targeted for sellout more than any other. I also will point at potential tax season as possibly a contributor to it, but the timing is a bit unique because we're a little bit early on that one in my mind like i would have expected to see that rush sometime in march ish not early january so i'm not really sure what's happening there uh so that's a bitcoin and the general crypto and i again i think it's sentiment and the whole regulatory chatter and all the stuff is hurting sentiment across the board and then of course that's having an impact in terms of sellout and there may be other tertiary factors like the bans and everything else that play into it as well on another note, um, I want to talk briefly. There was a <laughs> there was a funny situation. So I don't know if you've been following any of the news because some of this is kind of bubble. But what's happening these days is there are a lot of women who are getting onto OnlyFans as a secondary source of money because they know there are simps out there that are willing to pay to see nude women. And so they set up these OnlyFans account. They don't quit their normal job because they presumably like what they do. But they set up this OnlyFans as a secondary source of income. You know, there have been notable ones that have done it. Paige Van Zant is being most notable as the MMA fighter. But apparently, you know, there was a there was a nurse out of Boston, and she had she was secretly on uh, OnlyFans, and it started with bikinis on Instagram, like it always does. And then she set up an OnlyFans, and she was doing increasingly more sketchy stuff, and. The, the story here is not that she did it. It's the fact that, A, she's a nurse. B, she's like 34 with three kids. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. And because her kids are like 17 and 18, so I was like running the math. I'm like, okay. And, but also this, this, these nurses in this, where she works, 
they outed her. They found her, and then they exposed her to the bosses, and the bosses basically gave her an ultimatum, you know, quit that OnlyFans, quit this place. And she told them, kick rocks, and she quit, and then she went full-time on OnlyFans, but then she also launched a crypto adult entertainment application. I'm using the right terminology. And then she went on a rant, public rant, about she didn't want to get into straight crypto because it's just coins and wallets. and didn't want to think about it, wanted to make it simple for those, quote, old men, <laughs> the simps, who are willing to pay money, but they don't want to fight all that stuff. I mean, there's a brilliance in her business strategy, I suppose. But there was another girl that I didn't even know about, Irene Samad, who started setting up NFTs, and they're just basically memes that she, of herself holding up stupid signs or stupid verbiage. And she's making a mint off that one. So this nurse, she was last quoted at 200000 a month just in her nudes that she was selling in this application that she's doing. And she's married but has three children. You know, one of them apparently is 18. So mathematically, you can put it all together that this is a story where, you know, some decisions were made when she was younger. And then she was trying to write her life by working full-time at a hospital most young women do want to get into nursing statistically and got in there, did that, but realized, you know, she had some attractiveness that was worth something to an older population willing to throw money at it and decided to turn that into a business venture. I'm not going to hate on it. I just thought it was ironic. I thought it was ironic because the, they, them outing her, that's happened numerous times before, right? You've got adult film stars and they work at some school or something, right? like that teacher from some years ago and she's actually an adult star and you know i'm i don't knock the hustle i don't knock the hustle i have had friends who were in adult business i've had friends who were escorts i've had friends who were everything you can think of i've dated escorts i've done i've been exposed to and i understand kind of the motivation is different than you might think it, are there people who get in it just because they like it? Sure, but most of them get in it because they know they're going to make some good money. They know that. They know that they can. They, they got a limited span of time for their appearance, their physical appearance, and they want to use it to make as much money as possible. And if if it helps you pay off student loans or something else, which some of them do, great, all for it. You know. Um, so I I don't knock the hustle. I just I thought it was a funny story because you turn something. You, you're working at a at a company, right? That is presumably pretty well paid. She quoted somewhere around six, 7000 a month. That's actually decent money, but somewhat on the low end. And then you're able to spike that to 200000 a month doing nothing but showing off your body to people who want to see it. So that's a thing I thought was very interesting. Ice Cube, Mr. Ice Cube, you could do it, put your back into it. Ice Cube, apparently, I didn't see this myself, but a, you know, Ice Cube, had he had been getting flack because he was trying to meet with at then President Trump about trying to not specifically reparations, but trying to make equal opportunities for African Americans. And he was trying to do a lot of things to help the, the community, the people. Right. And he got a lot of flack for it because he just said, look, ain't nobody going to help us. I'm going to go and do what I got to do. It doesn't matter who's in office. He's never, to my knowledge, met President Biden because Biden doesn't care because, you know, um, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So. Apparently, what's happened now is that Ice Cube was, quote, shilling an application, uh, some sort of a game. It's called uh, Soul Chicks. It's on the Solana network. I didn't see any shilling that I could find anyway when I looked at it, but I'm sure it's out there. But this one started spiking. It started spiking huge, and then suddenly it just tanked and crashed. And 
all these people are looking at this and they're like, <laughs> it's a it's a play to earn game. It feels like you're rug pulling over time and they're blaming Cube for it. Well, it's not his fault. It's the fault of using Schiller's, which I've talked about before. Using Schiller's is not the right answer. It never has been the right answer. And I want it, I would love that to be kind of abolished and gotten rid of because I think it's a terrible way to get your project, whatever it is, coin or game or anything, above the board. Now, the funny thing, though, about this particular project is that people's complaints about it are kind of premature because, number one, apparently they're they're using what the... I talked about fully diluted market cap versus market cap in an older episode. Go back and check that one out. But fully diluted market cap specifically says, here's the... If we sold every token today, what should this be valued at in terms of market cap? This is usually pitched by the shills as, wow, 100, 100 million market cap. And they're pointing at the fully diluted, not the real market cap. So then what happens is people buy into this thing. They FOMO into it. It doesn't perform for reasons A, B, or C. doesn't matter, but it doesn't perform. And then all of a sudden the price movement starts going down. Then they point at, well, wait a minute, the market cap's only like $12 million. Well, yeah, because that's what it always had been, because that's how much has been sold, because it doesn't have the volume, because it doesn't have anything to get to that point. So then I'm looking a little bit deeper, and I'm trying to understand, well, why why is this such a spread? Because in their case, I want to say the, the fully diluted market cap, this one estimated, was like $500 million. Well, it's because they have a constrained inventory, the token cost is $0.05 cents per coin. So you do the math, that's $500 million. That's how, that's how that's calculated. But again, that's assuming every token sold. When you're shilling it, they're not talking the truth, which is no. You've got to go off of how much is in circulation when you do the calculation against the price. So your circulating supply being $200 million, at that same $0.05, cents, you're now about $12 million-ish. Okay, that means that it has strong growth potential, very strong growth potential. It'll, it, if it were persistently successful, it'll eventually get to that point. The problem is, is that the shillers don't explain that to people. They go off the fully diluted because it's the potential. So they're not really lying, they're misrepresenting. It's like a graph where you use the bars in a way that misrepresents the impact of a thing. That's what they're doing. And you're, my, call to action for you guys is to really understand fully diluted market cap doesn't matter to you up front except to estimate the price potential of the token long term keyword is long term in the short term as far as where we are now you need to look at the regular market cap if you're looking at coin gecko they don't do a good job i think of showing that information very well they kind of focus only on the regular market cap coin market cap the, sometimes they don't even have the fully diluted because they don't have a sense of the supply in circulation. So because they don't have supply numbers, they can't calculate that, that digit. That's why it's so important to understand the supply numbers truly. What is actually the total supply, the real supply, given your burns, given your total supply that you issued? What is the total supply? And then understand, and this is where Shiv got burned, no pun intended, then understand the circulating inventory. Your circulating supply or circulating inventory is predicated on a couple of things. First of all, it assumes that they are in circulation, meaning that they are being sold, they're in sale, or they're sold or not sold, but they're not held, meaning they're not in exchange, they're not in a swap, and they're not staked. 
So the issue with SHIB is an example. You've got a bunch of people who had their tokens staked. This is the truth on many different things. As a result, the circulating supply is kind of iffy and you can't really trust it because their numbers are getting skewed. So when those numbers come out, your circulating supply goes up because they're now back in circulation. We haven't taken them out of circulation anymore. They're back in circulation. In the case of this application, this Soul Chicks, I think it was just early. It's, a, it's an early launch deal. And people looked at it and fomoed in because they saw the fully diluted and said, oh, geez, 500, 500 million on this thing. I'm going to get on that one. Do, do, do. Not understanding that there, it takes a little bit longer because you have to have sold all the inventory and it's kind of a crapshoot because there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to sell every token. Think about that. You'd have to have so many people involved at this supply of a 10 billion supply. That's not a lot in the grand scheme, but think of how many holders you'd have to have in order to eat up all that. And then you'd have to make sure there's no staking. You'd have to make sure it's literally bought from every exchange and it almost never happens. It almost never happens. Let's compare it against Bitcoin. Bitcoin has 18 million, roughly 19 million in circulation. Right now, the circulating supply is going to potentially grow because of the mining activity. They haven't even mined all the coins. They were estimating roughly about up to 21 million by the year 2140. So 2140, okay, we're at 2022. Do the math. It's going to take a long time for Bitcoin to get to the point where the circulation is full and matching the total supply, which would then get you your market cap matching your fully diluted. We're nowhere close to that. So Bitcoin's fully diluted right now. That's the reason why, even to this day, their fully diluted is persistently higher than the regular market cap because it still has growth potential. That's the summary. When you're fully diluted is greater than your market cap, all that's really telling you is that you still have growth potential potential because all the tokens haven't been sold yet. That's all it means. It is rare for a token to have everything completely sold. I don't think I've ever seen one that ever can have that situation. I'm sure they're out there, but as a result, you have to fully understand the impacts of that, and these people really didn't. So they FOMO'd in based on the fully diluted, which was somewhat misrepresented, but it's really up to them to understand that. Now, there were other factors in this. There were things where they promised rates and staking and all these kind of things, and they used bots to influence the price, allegedly. Um, they called, uh, what they apparently did is they just went on Cameo and they bought a Cameo speak point. So Cameo is one of those apps where you can call up a celeb and have them send you a personalized message. So apparently what they did is they, <laughs> they contacted Cameo, Ice Cube on Cameo and had him do a message that appeared to be some sort of a, you know, some sort of a, uh, endorsement or appeared as an endorsement. That's the risk of Cameo is that you don't know, you don't know what it is that you're really doing. You're just paying for an endorsement and it's I okay <laughs> so that all this happened like late last year right and so now because the price movement has been going down it's been steadily decreasing because people are feeling like it's a rug pull and there's money that's kind of disappearing this is not this is not good uh, for the Schiller market and again I hope it's in more indication that we need to do something about the Schiller deal because it's kind of frustrating and then on lesser news, uh, Floki, I talked about on my open letter episode, the Floki upgrades apparently gave them some sort of a green light to start their transition to the Dow. They call Floki Dow. That's going to begin tomorrow, they said. And that, of course, is going to allow the Floki holders to have a vote uh, in things Floki, which I felt like they should have 
prioritize doing that prior to their dramatic changes that I don't agree with. But what they said is, okay, now apparently what we're hearing is that the upgrades that they did, all the things that they changed were to allow the sexes, the centralized exchanges to support the new version of the contract. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they said. And anybody who has staked their tokens, um, they're going to be liquidated. Now, this is weird because it seems like if basically what's happened is if you have tokens staked in something else, and I think what they mean is when you are un, when you're staked into something else and you're like, let's say you stake multiverse or any printer or something and they give you or any printer is going to be the choice here, but any printer and it gives you Floki as an example. I think what they're saying is you want to make sure that you cash those out if you're going to claim them. Now, the beauty of any printer specifically is that it doesn't have to be Floki. It could be whatever you want it to be. But there could be other services similar to that that would pay you in Floki for having your token staked. I don't know of any off the top of my head, but I give that out there. If anybody is staking some kind of token and Floki would be your payout, what they're saying is make sure you cash those out because if you don't, you're going to be... Uh, potentially liquidated which means you would lose those i don't know how that works because if like if you're using a staking mechanism usually those are a buy on demand so i don't know how that would work but i'm giving that head heads up that they are anticipating doing all that tomorrow so they want you to do something today about it if you have something that you are aware of i'm not going to cover the floki dow because again i don't i'm not really confident in I'm not really confident in what they're doing and why they're doing it. I'm I'm not. I think I think it's a bad idea. I understand why they did what they did and I understand their strategy and everything else and all that's cool, but I think some of the decisions were not correct and I think that it's going to harm investor sentiment in the long term at least. The Federal Reserve published their document about the digital currency. They did ask for input about, "Hey, what do you think about this? We put this out here." And let's hey, what do you think about it? We want to know your opinion. So that's progress because at least they asked for feedback instead of just saying this is what it is. This began back in September, so it took a while to get here. Uh, they didn't seem to take a stance either way. It seemed like they really were just kind of saying this is the reason that we're thinking of doing something, which was, you know, we're looking about privacy. We're looking about trying to get some middlemen in the process, to try to make it a little bit more protected, make it more transferable. Um, increase identity verification. We're trying to basically streamline the process and make it more safe for you. And of course, on the heels of China and Russia doing outright ban, where the United States has kind of been a little bit more uh, conservative approaching it, at least it's described. I believe the current administration is not going to continue that route. I do think that they are going to continue down the path of trying to lock stuff down and, and be more restrictive and be more egregious about it which the irony of the timing of this document coming out, New York Mayor Eric Adams, he was the guy that recently got into office after a blowout uh, win, and it was kind of a shocker win. I think he was an ex-cop, and that was part of the reason that he was so uh, celebrated. He just took his first check in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, so what the way this works, so that you understand it, is he uses Coinbase. Coinbase lets you use his direct deposit, to get payouts so you can get any crypto that you want to be at your check. So he's not really getting it directly, but he is getting it indirectly. There's no charge for it. There's no gas fee or anything. So it's just news, but it just means that there's at least some 
leaders in the country that do support crypto and would push crypto forward. And these are the people that we should really support as a society, I believe, are any in leadership who seem to get it. They understand, look, we need to support this thing. We need to move it forward. We need to actually have some strong support for this. We can't have where there's this nonsense of just pushing back and lockdowns and blocks and all that kind of stuff. So that's the vast majority of the news I got today for you. I want to get into our underdog token because I'm slightly excited to cover it. I was a bit nervous. And of course, with the price movement, thanks to Bitcoin, it is kind of a, it's, it's kind of not fair because they were affected by it. But I want to take the time to make sure I cover it because it is getting a little bit of, I don't know what that means. It is getting a little bit of traction out there. And of course, that's Shinja. Shinja, a.k.a. Shibnobi. The website for this guy is shibnobi.com, S-H-I-B-N-O-B-I.com. It is on the Ethereum smart chain, that is true. And I've followed it since it first talked about being a thing. And it got most notoriety because it was going to be one of the first ones on the ill-fated Cytomask. And there was a lot of chatter about it. And I remember the, the introductory conversations, the guy that's kind of the face of the brand, his name is Cliff. Uh, so he's fully doxxed. He's out there. He does AMAs. He does the whole thing. And the story, and you might have seen some price movement on this guy, and I want to kind of summarize some of the thoughts on this. But the, the story behind Shibnobi here, the Cytomask requirements to get listed as a token, apparently either they changed or they weren't clear in the agreements. But what happened was that there's a requirement, we are told, there's a requirement for any of the tokens to be listed to have fully renounced contracts, ownership. And the Shinja team refused to do this because they felt it wasn't in the best interest of the investors. I actually agree with that because I personally think it's too early to renounce, and I mentioned that on other contracts where you can potentially give away the pony. And certain exchanges, there's kind of this back and forth debate, and I, I suspect there's certain exchanges that have the rule and certain ones that don't. But What's happened is that when you, the whole renounce ownership kind of goes to fraud, right? It's could somebody honeypot it? Could somebody steal it? And I've given the, the video exercise on social media from gentokens.com that says it doesn't matter if you renounce the ownership because ultimately you could still have code in there that can take your money. It's not about whether you own it or not. It's whether you trust the people who built the token. And so it's, I've less believed that the renounced ownership has a significant positive impact on anything and it's more fluff. It's more a talk piece. I just don't trust you. Like think about the trust aspect of this. I just don't trust you to run my project. Could you imagine if it's a real business and you told the CEO, I don't trust you to run the company. So I want you to step down. Nobody does that in the business world. The only reason we do it in crypto is because of so many scams. The only reason there's scams is because of a lack of regulation. The lack of regulation, by and large, is part of the freedom of cryptocurrency. So this goes back to education, and I think education has been lacking to try to deflate, no pun intended, this narrative that renouncing ownership is the be-all, end-all to averting any sort of disaster. It's not. I would point you to Keanu Inu, which is completely renounced, and yet that developer was able to drain enough out of it to essentially tank the token. So, no, I'm not a supporter myself of in of itself, renouncing ownership as a solution to anything. And I didn't agree with the Satama team trying to force a thing. Now, the downstream of this is that this meant that, of course, Shibnobi had to succeed on its own merits. This token has a very unrealistic, absolutely shocking, egregious inventory to it. 
Um, it has a 69 sextillion tokens. Now, to be fair, I said that it's egregious, but to be fair, they do have burn mechanics, which I'll talk about here in a second. But because they had such a high inventory, and we talked about this with things like Dogezilla, it's hard to get past that initial hurdle. It's hard to make positive price movement. It's hard to move things forward. It's hard to be in a growth pattern. And then, of course, you're on the Ethereum chain, which means that, number one, you're subject to the whims of Ethereum, as we saw. It's down pretty much by 50% at this point. But number two, the gas fees are outrageous. They seem to go up when the price goes down and the tokens, so you're making it hard to buy in. Now, Shinja is on some exchanges, so you can buy it on Hotbit, for example. But the point is, is that it had a lot of hurdles in front of it. So to advocate to not get on Cytomask was huge. Well, from what I can tell from the blockchain, this had a significant impact on its recent positive price movement because people seem to be selling Satama and buying into Shinja whether that was just because of smart business or because they were trying to make a statement about the failures of the Satama team, I don't have that answer. I'm not in that room. But I do see a significant amount of whales that moved money from Satama. They didn't sell all the way out, but they sold quite a bit of it and bought into Shinjin. And of course, they can hold a lot of tokens because the price is so low because the inventory is so high. So that stood out to me. And that seemed to be one of the triggers to its current price movement was just purely people that were selling Satama and buying over. I found at least three whale wallets that fit that category where they took their Satama and bought into this deal over here. It's not a bad thing, but it's something that I wanted to observe and call to attention because I wasn't sure until I went and verified it myself because it seemed out of nowhere that there's a lot of money flowing that way. And of course, with as Cytomask keeps releasing these things that don't work, it was necessarily going to happen that you would have a loss of investor sentiment that would cause them to shift their money. We just needed to know where that money was going to go. At least we know one source. We know a couple of other ones like Dream, which I didn't think too much of, and some others. But this is huge. To me, this is huge, and it's worth watching to see how it's going to be able to hold that momentum. So as I said, it's on the Ethereum chain. So if you did want to buy into it, you're talking either Uniswap or you can do Hotbit or uh, FedEx, I think it's called, is the other one. I've never used it myself, but that one's out there as well. It was trending hot and heavy. It was dropping at least one zero, if not two, the other day. It's kind of tapered off, and now it's doing a little bit of consolidation. But as I look at the buys and sells, there's a bit of sell activity, but no real whales selling out of the thing. So it seems like people are at least confident in the token. And I, I think investor sentiment is high. I think they people believe that these guys are serious and they want to do the right thing by the investors. And that's a huge thing. And then, of course, having the burn mechanic in place only strengthens their case because it gives confidence that at some point people will get to a point of wealth. So uh, they are sort of audited. So you can read the audit report for the project. Um, they didn't get an amazing, you know, stellar deal, but they didn't have anything that was critical. And that's, of course, amazing to on its face. But they did have some majors. They're usually the same things with Certic. The majors are around the owner, and of course it's not renounced, right? And so the owner can do certain things that you wouldn't want them to be able to do. And that was the bulk of what they had any concerns of. The rest of it were around code, but it got a pretty decent outcome, I think, of from a sentiment perspective from the, pop, from the public. It seems to have strong sentiment. It seems to have a pretty decent community. It's an organic community. They're, I think it's closing on 50,000 holders as of right now. And what they basically said was they want to try to make crypto more fair and safe and information for investors and 
vetting projects. I did a joke post a little while ago about, you know, one of the graphs that was embedded from TradingView that showed a tanking of the token. And then, of course, now it looks beautiful if you look at it. So they fixed that. That was awesome. Uh, and that's the reason I shared it. So I wanted them to know, hey, this is a thing. Uh, they're working on projects, uh, two-factor authentication wallet, uh, Katana wallet, they call it, Dojoverse, which is virtual reality. It's a Metaverse-type deal. They want to have their own blockchain called Kasari, and then, of course, DojoSwap. Everybody's doing a swap. So they are working on actual utility applications. Uh, there's a tax. 5% of it goes straight to the liquidity to keep the liquidity healthy. 3% reflect, reflections uh, to every holder, and then 5% to a marketing wallet. And as they build the phases, this is reasonably new. I want to say this one started like what, November, December? It was new. And again, it was supposed to be really a, one of this big thing with the whole Cytomask. And then they had to switch gears and, and change and, and adjust. And it seems like they did a good job. They also did a good job of their advertisement and marketing to get the word out and make sure people were aware of them. It's like, we're here and we want to, we want the smoke, right? We want to get this forward. Here are some things I would love to see um, corrected. Um, there is an audit from TechRate as well. If you want to look at that one, that one's great. And then there's a KYC. The KYC is what I want to point at. The KYC is done. It's done by a service called Air NFTs, which I never heard of before. But Air NFTs, to me, I don't rate it uh, as a good <laughs> KYC source. I'm not trashing it because it's better than nothing, but I'm saying that I would like to see something a little bit more robust in terms of the KYC uh, so that we have independent verification of a thing that we can go ourselves and take a look at, you know, this project and we're not having to rely on this other service. But for all I can tell, it's just a freaking NFT. I mean, that doesn't tell me what was done. I talked about, I want to see locations, at least information, some, maybe we have names, but what did you do? What was the actual scope of the KYC? And it's not easy to find that. And so that would be a concern that I would have is I don't, I don't want to see this. I want to see something a little bit more. It says kyccastle.tech, but the layman person doesn't know what that means. So what I'm saying is I think there should be something a little bit better than what I'm seeing there so that we can get a little bit more confidence in the actual KYC process than just seeing what I see there. So that's one thing I would love to correct is get a more robust KYC that's a little bit more than just an NFT where we can get a little bit more details about it. I don't know the source that's best because to me, KYC is better if you just do it yourself. But I know this third party thing is kind of a big thing. When I looked at the white paper and remember, I called out that, you know, to my eyes, the, the so-called uh, parabolic token has the best white paper in the business right now. I still maintain that one. The white paper for Shibnobi is decent. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's decent. But there's a lot that's missing. Uh, the motivations of the team. Why are we doing this? What is the reason we're doing this? What is the reason we're doing this now? Why do we choose Ethereum? It's obvious. But I'm saying your white paper should have these details, and I don't think it does. It has enough in terms of what they plan to do. But like, for example, there's nothing that shows some screenshots of this swap. Uh, the name doesn't match with what the website says. So it's not like it's a bad white paper. It's just not a great white paper. I'd love to see a little bit more out of it, if possible. But overall, they've done a great job of marketing, organic marketing, you know, word of mouth marketing. They did some social media and some influencers, but word of mouth, they are embracing social media, pretty much all feed in, all the way to LinkedIn, which I love that. So I think they're legit and they're worth their smoke. And 
I have nothing but positive to say, generally speaking, and I'm, I'm celebrating that they were able to break the notion that they had to do Cytomask in order to be successful and show that in the terms of investor profit. So kudos to them. I've got nothing but great things to say about what they're trying to do, and I'm wishing the best for them. I'm just giving the feedback of what I like to see in the white paper. I like to see a little bit more. I would love to see a little bit more, something better on the KYC. I don't know what the clean answer is, to be honest, but I love the way they do social media. I love the way they do the information. The tokenomics are good. They're not great, but they're good. And you can see names and faces, and Cliff has been out there. He's He puts himself out there, and they've been forthright that they want to do right by the investors. That's always a good thing. You don't see that too much in the business today. And the burn, you know, the burn looks like it's doing its job as far as the circulating supply. Of course, coin market cap is not going to cleanly reflect it. So you're going to need to reference your own sources and possibly do your own calculations. But as I can tell, as far as the market cap looks, it looks really healthy. It looks like it's in a good shape to be very bullish. Um, there's a lot of people that were made millionaires off this thing. So I think it's good long term. So that's, again, the Shibnobi token, and I'm really bullish on it. I think they got good things. Tune in tomorrow for my next update, and take care.